Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Deal with 
All right. Good morning, beautiful people. I want to thank you for joining me here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. You are listening to Prison Focus Radio. I am your host, Nube Brown. We are going to continue um, our conversation with Joka Hashima Jinsai as we are talking about the indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex. Hopefully you have picked up the book already yourself. You can get it on Amazon.com and um, Again, Indictment of the State and its Prison Industrial Slave Complex Concept by Abdul Lubala Shakur. We are in, we've read the preamble, and we have read a part one of the indictment. And so we are, and we are getting into uh, the count, there are two counts to the indictment, part one. Count one and part two, and then we'll be moving into um, uh, the indictment part two, of which there are, I think, five, six other counts uh, for this indictment. So let's get ready uh, to continue our conversation with Joka Hashima Jinsai. But first, I will be reading, uh, again, uh, part one, sorry, count one of part one of the indictment. All right. I also like to set the tone uh, for each of these readings. And this is the last paragraph of the preamble, which is in and of itself is incredibly powerful. So again, I hope you put, pick this book up. Here's the last paragraph. If there is ever to be any confidence in the integrity of the mechanisms of governance and public safety, the system itself must be indicted its structural corruption exposed, and alternative forms of social organization explored as a surer means of our collective security. Joka Hashima Jinsai. I'm just going to call that revolutionary love. All right, so here is count one of the indictment. Part one of the indictment. The intentional creation of recidivism to ensure high incarceration rates and prison populations. In the state of California, the prison population has risen by 800% since 1985. These massive prison populations in turn serve to maintain corporate contracts with supply, service, and prison firms at profitable levels for these corporations who in turn ensure kickbacks and other financial and or political considerations to the department, its officials, and political proxies. As demonstrated earlier in Part 1, CDC Small R has historically underfunded, withheld, or discontinued resources and presided over conditions specifically designed to undermine rehabilitation and viable job skills training for prisoners to ensure those released would return to prison. Simultaneously, CDC Small R has utilized its undue political influence in the legislature and the press to successfully lobby for draconian mandatory minimums, harsher sentences for already existing offenses, and the creation of new laws to criminalize conduct which was previously not a crime, all with the intent of expanding the prison industry in the state and their share of the general fund to maximize the financial gain of its officers and administrators in violation of racketeering statutes. 
there exists extensive evidence that CDC small r is actively colluding in this criminal enterprise with corporate entities who provide kickbacks and financial political considerations to CDCR officials and interests like the CCPOA in exchange for awarded contracts to provide goods, services, supplies, maintenance, and in the case of private contractors, bed space for prisoners. Kickbacks and gratuities have taken the form of contributions to pro-incarceration judges, politicians, and legislators, legislatures, donations to the guards union, payment, quote, reimbursements to specific prison administrations and other gifts. These arrangements have taken the form of everything from overpayments to contractors to paying full price for, quote, irregular goods and food items, which are in actuality discounted, allowing providers and the department to split the difference of the allocated funds. These corrupt relationships ensure the conditions for recidivism in the department remain high. Public opposition to the passage of draconian laws and the overcriminalization of new Africans, Latinos, and poor communities remains low and their exploitation of taxpayer dollars for their own financial gain remains constant and unmolested. Prisoners are charged exorbitant prices for goods and services, which are much less expensive for the same and even more valuable goods and services in the broader economy. This arrangement constitutes a virtual monopoly in this captive market by a few hand-picked vendors who financially support the interests of state prison officials and their political proxies. This level of corruption and intentional criminalization in the service of incarceration for the financial gain of departmental employees and related corporate interests constitutes a pattern of racketeering, engaging in monetary transactions in property derived from specific unlawful activity, usury, municipal financial institution fraud, and the corruption of civil servants in violation of Title 18 S1 Chapter 96 RICO Act, S1961 S1344, Title 29, USC S-186, and related federal state laws and statutes. All right, so Hashima and I had already been in conversation for a few minutes when he mentioned something about uh, his work schedule changing, and it is from this point that I had, this is when I started the recording, because he mentioned that someone else had been hired for his position. Well, that's very interesting, though, that you say that they hired somebody new. Because that's something that we've never talked about. And I don't know if you even wanted to want to mention it because it is kind of personal. It's slave labor, right? But like... You say something's kind of personal? Well, you know, just, I mean, you know, talking about, you know, what people make, you know, what what kind of, what kind of money, oh, no. right? And so, like, so talking about hiring somebody new as a porter, like, hmm, well, what does that look like in prison, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Six cent, six cent an hour is the top end. Uh-huh. Are you making six an hour? Six cents an hour? I don't make anything because I don't really need the money. So, uh... I left that. I don't want the pay number position. I keep telling them, don't give me a pay number position. I, man, I'm the black main porter and the number one porter because I've had the job for the longest. But I always give over the pay numbers because the other guys in here don't got nothing. They don't got nobody on the street. Don't know how to care about them. And I would rather them have a pay number. I don't need it. Wow. And it's called a pay number. I just, yeah. this language is just so interesting. Like, I didn't realize how jarring it was because, you know, we have that conversation out here, 
right? Like, oh, you know, people have jobs in prison and, and they get paid, they don't get paid. These are the amounts. But to hear the words like higher, you know, like, wait a second. Now that we're talking, let me, let me, I realize let me, we haven't let really let me, talked me, about this before. Me, it's so interesting. Let me explain something. Yeah. <laughs> we can get, get that illusion off the tape. A job in prison is a way for California, in, in the case of California, but it's the same way in every prison system across the country. They utilize prison labor to defer operational costs. So let's take the job I do, for instance. All right. I'm basically a janitor and a food server all in one. I'm a janitor, a food server, and a clerk all wrapped in one. Okay. All right. So I'm on the floors, sweep the floors clean the showers, clean the phones, disinfect the doors, disinfect the, uh, the hallways. Um, I serve the food. I pick up the trays. I dump the trash. I pass out ducats. That's to let people know where they're going to go. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. I pass out uh, notifications for the list so people know where they're going to go. It's clerical, basically clerical work. If there's a like the usually is every day. Somebody toilets busts or somebody gets stabbed in their cells, blood everywhere. I go clean that stuff up. Um, if the if the drain in the in the shower gets clogged up, I go get the plunger and unclog it. So sort of like a plumber a little bit. Uh, a plumber um, that okay. I've already have two, like like four or five jobs that pay a lot of money out here okay, that you're so, doing. So so let's just take janitor. Mm-hmm. Let's just say janitor. All right. How much janitor make out there? Okay, I'd like to insert here that before I was the editor of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper, and while I was volunteering uh, my time at California Prison Focus, I was a housekeeper, and I was making $32 an hour working for wealthy people. The reason why a janitor doesn't make minimum wages mm-hmm. is because you're working with caustic substances and you yeah. got to go through a hazmat course like I did. Exactly. When I got this job right here. So, you know, say your average school janitor in the state of California is making in between 20 and $26 an hour. Well, the maximum pay you're going to get is $0.08. Cents. That's the top pay number That's for a janitor. Everybody else get like 2 to $0.04. Cent. Some people get $0.06. Cent. That's like they do some median guys. But nobody get over eight cent an hour. So do the math. All right. So um, slavery exists. A soup, one top ramen soup here costs thirty cent. <gasps> one top ramen soup. Mm-hmm. So if I'm making eight cent an hour and I'm working for six hours, this call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded every day. I make enough. Six times eight. Right. I make enough to get a soup and a half of that. Soup and a quarter or something. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Probably for the day. The people, for the day. <laughs> That's yeah. a top ramen soup yeah, like for a grown days. man. Yeah, so so uh, at the end of the month, now most people here have what's called restitution. Restitution is a charge that the court levies upon you based on whatever penal code you supposedly violated. You understand something? The restitution should go to the victim. It doesn't. Restitution goes to a fund 
that's managed by a victim's rights group that don't pay victims. The rest of that fund, the incurred interest from that fund goes to CCPOA. So victims really don't get nothing. It's the victims' rights groups that get money so they can pay for ads to pass more draconian laws and ride with the CCPOA. Anyway, I said all that to say this, 55% of what you get is taken by the state. So let's say you get that ace in an hour. Yo, at the end of the month, your ace in an hour will give you a ten dollar check. Right, you get ten dollars. Right, let's just ballpark yeah, that. Let's right, say you right. get ten dollars. Right, you really gonna get four dollars and fifty four dollars and forty five cents. <laughs> Jeez. I don't even know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm not going to cry. I appreciate you just making it uh, making it real because I think we need to hear this over and over and over again. Hashima, this is so, like, as you know, things have just become normalized. Like, this is, we have learned, we've been conditioned to accept the normal, and I refuse to let that happen. And so that's why even when you use the word higher, that just, that, shook up a whole ton of stuff for me because you're helping me not be so conditioned that is not what's taking place inside there no you know (laughs) and not only that you are giving your pay number yeah they they can't possibly call this an income so you're giving your pay number to another person and and i i want to um highlight this especially too because uh this is directly related to um, why there is a campaign to free the new African revolutionaries through the institutional restitution because they have been constant. You, you have been deemed over your uh, torturous years inside of CDC small R as the worst of the worst, you yeah. know, criminals. Wow. Um, danger, a huge danger to society. We must keep them locked up. And yet, and yet, you, out of love for your comrades near you that don't have anything to give over what little you have. If we only practice that on the most basic level out here, how much better this world would be. That is the narrative that I'm wanting to highlight here. There's no, not one of my comrades, there's no new guy revolution in Nashville currently in prison, at least in the state of California. There's people I know well, but I know in the state of California. And I believe nationally that shares our culture and our ideals. We wouldn't do the exact same thing. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Because it's, I mean, I don't even consider it, <laughs> I don't even consider it like a, a major thing, you know, it's, it's just, that's just, that's just principle. That's just what principal guy, you know, principal guy gonna do. <laughs> of course, uh, it's, it's like natural. I don't know. I don't know another way to explain it. And and um, again, that's what makes it so beautiful. And and so I guess what I am doing is I am propagandizing this <laughs> to our um, benefit. <laughs> the one thing I, I, I would say as it relates to what you just said, is the ideas that California Department of Corrections in the state is deemed so threatening are this. 
we believe it's enough food on this planet where don't nobody gotta be hungry. We believe it's enough knowledge on this planet where don't nobody gotta be hungry. We believe it's enough housing on this planet where don't nobody gotta be hungry. We believe it's enough work to be done on this planet without nobody being unemployed or having a living income. Um, they call that revolutionary scientific socialism. They deem it a bad thing. We don't. We view revolutionary scientific socialism, and when we say revolutionary scientific socialism, we talk about socialism from a radical perspective. Meaning this has been our culture hearkening back to the very origins of human civilization on the continent of Africa. You can find proto-socialism in the basic family unit. Everyone who lives in that household tells their labor. Some way, shape, or form, they go to work, get income, all right? But they share that income with that household based on the needs of the people who live there. So it's a really simple concept from each person according to their talents to each person according to their needs. Well, there's a culture behind that. That culture is functional collective consciousness. And what we mean by functional collective consciousness is I don't think in terms of I and me. I think in terms of us and we first. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of I and me second. And because I think in terms of us and me first, the manner in which I speak, act, my mannerisms, um, how I think on the most basic and rudimentary level always takes into consideration what something that I'm going to do, or action that I'm going to take, or decision I'm going to make, or word I'm going to say out of my mouth, how it's going to impact us. As opposed to how it's going to impact me. Because I do that, and because those who are of like mind do the same, uh, there ain't nobody who has any interaction with us on a daily basis that can say in any way, shape, or form, or fashion that we ain't even the principal men. And here's, here's the thing like, uh, when they would confiscate, when I was in the shoot, they would confiscate my writings. A prime example. Um, I'm gonna give you two examples. Okay. I wrote an article for the California Prison Focus, and and in that article, I criticized CDCR's criminalization of the African Revolutionary Nationals. I outlined the work that they actually did, including myself. Things like the George Jackson University, an institution designed to transform the African criminal mentality into a new African progressive mentality. So brothers and sisters can stop terrorizing the community and actually become solutions to the problems that exist in their community. All right? Um, things like, this is when I first developed the sustainable agricultural economy. This was like in the early 90s, mid, yeah, mid-90s. All right? And as most people know, the sustainable agricultural economy is the institution of the Thomas Infrastructure Mission, but actually it leverages the collective work responsibility of an entire community to transform the spaces in their community into food-producing spaces where you don't have to spend money out your pocket at the grocery store feed yourself. You can feed yourself for free just by working together, all right, just by collective work. And it would also create sustainable sources of nutritious food that are locally sourced so you not contribute to the carbon footprint is currently creating the heat wave a lot of y'all tourism out there, right? Right, right. Um, they deem this criminal gang activity. Right. All right. Um, 
I drew a, I'm an artist, so I created it. It was a tsunami in Japan. And some of my family are, are as a part of my family is Japanese, and one of the, my mother's side, my mother is actually from Osaka, Japan. Oh, um, wow. And so, part of my culture is Japanese. You know, I'm a new African. Don't get it confused. I ain't, I ain't confused, but I'm a new African. I just got Japanese blood. Well, anyway, right, but um, okay, well, I want to talk about it a little bit more about that one day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it was a tsunami in Japan. Heard a whole lot of people. So, I was, I drew this picture of the goddess Amaterasu. That's the goddess of the sun, the sun god. She's considered, for those of you who don't know, in Japan, Amaterasu is considered to be patron goddess of the nation of Japan. The Japanese imperial crest is a dragon and a phoenix. So I adorned her kimono and her headdress with dragons and phoenixes. Mm-hmm. Those of you who also don't know, in the early stages of the liberation struggle in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh stated when the prison gates open, the real dragon will fly out. The dragon has, since he made that statement, been a symbol of revolution and social change. One has been adopted by numerous revolutionary formations and progressive formations, including Black Widow Family. But in this instance, in this use, it had nothing to do with none of that. It merely was a representation of Japanese culture. God searched myself and he spilled coffee on the back of the piece. So I wrote a 602. I say, damage my piece. I want, because the piece was being donated, to some tsunami release point. I, I, I drew the piece specifically to be donated and they can auction it and keep the money. Alright. So they damaged the piece. But I was able to cover up the damage sufficiently to where if you was looking at the piece you wouldn't know it was there. Mm. I just made the coffee stain seem like a really, really dark part of the ocean wave. Alright, so uh God tells me, he writes me back and says we don't know about damaging your piece, but if you try to mail it out, you're going to confiscate and give you 115 for gang activity. So, I mailed it out anyway. <laughs> of uh, course you did. I mailed it out anyway. And at that time, the tsunami relief home was over with by that time. I mean, because it took me that long to fix the damage that they had done. So, when the person on the other side got it, I told them, y'all go ahead and auction it off and keep it for um, strike, prison strike solidarity coalition. Y'all go ahead and keep that. And that's what they did. They auctioned the piece off three hundred fifty thousand, and they kept them up. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. They gave me a one fifteen for that. Wow. All right. Yeah, yeah. This is so for, sick. Uh, uh, gang symbols. Now, I said all that to say this: it is only in a fascist society, only in your nation where you have extreme political reaction, where you would recharacterize social actions, which are inherently good. Right. They are the opposite of criminal. Right. They're helpful. They're they loving. Sure they're... They could be right. characterized as gang anything. Right. Or dangerous. And I mean, who are they harming? That, it's it's actually helping people. It's... <laughs> well, that's and, the danger, apparently. Uh, really characterized that as criminal gang activity. Mm-hmm. 
for which you will be sanctioned, for which you will spend more time out there, for which, in, in a small way, PCO, they attempt, not they succeeded, but they attempt to remove from you a PCO demand. Alright? Because, you know, even in the set of circumstances you find yourself in, where you have actually committed your life to serving people, and you're seeking to do so at every turn, these efforts are being frustrated by some clown recharacterizing what you're doing as some criminal gang at you. Alright? Right. Now, this had the opposite effect on us. Understand. It was designed to prevent you, preclude you, or retard you from doing that. To, to like deter you from engaging in serving people. It had the opposite effect on us. It just made us push on. We wrote more. I drew more. My comrades developed more stuff. <laughs> and we came to serve people more. That's, and, and it was out of what it was out of them you know, uh, uh, criminalizing the article I wrote, criminalizing the SAC, which made me write the whole thing. Because it just, again, that's the way dialectical materialism works. When you begin on a thread of solutions, you're going to reach a new contradiction. The new contradiction bears, you got to, it's just how our minds work. You got to suss that out. You got to take that through, through the crucible. And it's going to lead you to another solution, which is going to lead you to a whole new set of problems. The SAC led me to Closed Circuit Economics Initiative. Closed Circuit Economics Initiative led me to the New African Math and Science Center Initiative. The New African Math and Science Center Initiative led me to the Community Action Program. The Community Action Program led me to uh, one of the comrades' initiatives, Comrade of Blue Olibar School, Mercy Response Network. Right. Because let's take what it's saying, we got these young brothers out here they restructure how they think. They got their own businesses that they collectively own. At the same time, they're being educated and orientated in both their history, culture, and martial arts, how they they say. So it's instilling them self-discipline. But what if we a natural disaster here? Right. Like what happened to Hurricane Katrina? What are they going to do? Right. No, we have I ain't to... got no solution for that. But comrade did. Man, just that easy. Just that easy. And this is what I mean by, what I was stating earlier, collective work and responsibility. It's a culture. It's how we think. It's, it's our speech. It's our mannerisms. This is what you do on a practical day to day. It ain't no grand designs or, you know, great machinations. What you do every day. It, it ain't even something that's, that you, that you do. It's who you are. All right. If you are just joining us, you are listening to Prison Focus Radio here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. And I am your host, Nube Brown. I have been in conversation with Joka Hashima Jinsai. We are talking about the book and also just the the ramifications or the implications and the... um, the highlights and the intersections of of our daily lives uh, in relation to this book, Indictment of the State and its Prison Industrial Slave Complex. There are six counts, no, I believe there are eight counts on this indictment, and we are on indictment or count number one, and uh, that which you can find on page eight and nine if you pick up this book on Amazon.com. We're going to take a quick musical break. Um, I I hope that you are getting something from these conversations. Uh, Joka Hashima Jinsai is incredibly intelligent and wise. 
um, a, a true principled new African revolutionary nationalist that uh, we are working to, out uh, here we are working to get him home. So um, stick around um, after this quick musical break. Again, uh, it's um, with, it's Black Uhuru, a, a um, suggestion by Joka Shimajinsai. Tonight is the night to unite. And then we'll be back with more of Joka Hashima Jinsai. listening to Prison Focus Radio. I am your host, Nube Brown, and we are going to go ahead and continue our conversation with Joka Hashima Jinsai, uh, author of Indictment of the State and its Prison Industrial Slave Complex, concept by Abdul Olubala Shakur. Two years ago, and so, so 
what they sought to do was criminalize our personhood. Right. It's a form of dehumanization which strikes at the very core of your being. We rejected that. We resisted that. And we did so effectively. Y'all don't understand that something. They, the minute we ask for fire, I'm asking the fire order, man. First thing they come with is, well, you let these guys out, there's going to be a bloodbath across CDCR because they've been at war for decades. You know the response to that was? They harken back to a blueprint that, again, Conrad Abdul developed called the Grievance in Hostility. He wrote this two years before the hunger strike. Right. I love that. I, and I, I, that's amazing. They pulled it out the files, dust that thing off, revamped it, had some cats adopted, and lo and behold, here we is on the main line. We took that argument away from them. They didn't have an argument after that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a lot of people don't know. I'm going to share with your listeners. There was a time when they was going to decertify the rapid revolutionary nationals as what they castigated as prison debt. They were going to take that off the table because, one, there's no criminal act. We've never been indicted. There's no criminal activity that's ever been attached to us. We have been the opposite of that. Right. And after lo- lawsuit, after lawsuit, after lawsuit, we won. Out-of-court settlement, out-of-out-of-court settlement, after out-of-court settlement, we won. People v. Harrison, people v. Hart, people v. Crawford. I go on and on and on. They never stopped them from seeking to criminalize who and what we are, even though they knew full well we were not criminal. Exactly, exactly. And why, so tell us why they've, they have to do that. What? The solutions <laughs> that are being proffered by men like myself and my brothers are diametrically opposed to the current nature and structure of their system. They threaten the very nature and structure of their system. So they're doing what any system would do. Right. They're defending themselves. Exactly. You got to realize when I speak of the United States of America being the most advanced fascist state in the history of human civilization, repression is reflexive. It's built into the very institutions which exist in every area of people activity in this society. You can't name an area of people activity. I don't care if it's art, literature, science, politics, law, uh, 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 sex. I don't care what any area of people activity that you could possibly think of. They have flexible mechanisms for repression. When there are aspects of that area of people activity which threaten the continuation of the status quo. I, the word revolution, we identify our ideology. African revolutionary nationalism. That's the word revolution in it. <laughs> right. Revolution means change. What everyone needs to understand is in this culture, in this society that claims to be the bastion of freedom and democracy, change, which they don't agree with, is a crime. Revolution is illegal. Right. It's prohibited. It's against the law. It won't be allowed. Even when it's legal. Don't change the law. Just to stop it. So, this is why our activities ultimately led us to cultivating what you have in your possession now. 
indictment against the state in this prison industrial slave complex. Look at the look at the language of the of the of the book itself, right. of the piece itself. It ain't just an indictment of the prison industrial slave complex. That ain't even the beginning of the indictment. It's an indictment of the state. Yeah. And its prison industrial slave complex. Right. Absolutely. The state is an institution that is it has a specific purpose. Its purpose is to continue to maintain the status quo of its ruling class. In this instance, global white supremacy and international capitalism. That's his ruling dominant class. That's the ruling dominant force that currently governs this country and this planet. We stand in diametric opposition to that. We are the opposite of all of that. Right. And because we are as opposite, of course, they're going to see to criminalize us in the minds of the masses. Right. They're going to constantly because be at war with you. Here are ideas, and they associate those ideas with us. What you don't realize is you have been, because you live in a society that doesn't teach you how to think, it teaches you what to think. Right. You have been conditioned to reject it out of hand. Not support it. This is where I brought up to Hashima some of the colonized mind responses to the queen's death and um, how people from colonized uh, nations and uh, countries uh, were responding to her death and um, and the backlash that they were getting from people um, and the dismissal from people. This is all on social media. And this is what he had to say. So I, I know that you know that the Queen of England has, is, is dead. Ding dong, the witch is yeah. dead. I mean, the Queen is dead. Yeah, yeah, you know, you said it right first time. Well, so, my response to that. No. When they can muster, when they can muster that same outrage to take Yon Rice. Of course. Mm-hmm. George Jackson, mm-hmm. Jonathan Jackson, then talk to me then. Exactly. Right. You can't muster that same outrage for the deaths of those beautiful humans. I ain't trying to hear nothing you're talking about. Exactly. Miss me with that. Miss me with that. Because all you're talking is colonial psychosis. Exactly. So. exactly. People don't understand what colonial psychosis is. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's abnormal behavior by colonial subjects. Yeah. When you sit and weep and cry for the very person that had a foot stuck up your ass for the last 235 years, yeah. you weep and cry and beg and wail over their death. You should be celebrating in the streets. I ain't got no sympathy for that. I ain't no sugar coated. I ain't gonna put no cut on that. Not Absol- on that right here. Absolutely. Absolutely. I ain't gonna put no cut on that. And interest, yeah. and and here's the thing, but it reminds me so much of what you've been talking about, um, you know, in each of these episodes and conversations that we have, and one of them is again those rose-colored glasses, right? Because people are clear. There are other people on the other side that are saying, "How dare you? How dare you ask me to be okay?" And uh, and and just dismiss the the being victimized by this imperialist nation who has colonized multiple nations, brutalized women, children, and and and, and elderly people, wiped out our lands, and you want me to be okay with her? And you're telling me I should should uh, honor her death? And right. so those people, right? So that argument is definitely out there. And then literally, I had somebody. Um, I had somebody. Somebody's response was blah 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 and then they said something and i just thought there are those there are the there are those glasses there is that that psychosis that is so real that if you try to give them anything to like either to force those glasses off or force another way of thinking they will literally kill you if they were not on social media they would have there would have yeah there would have been blows and possibly somebody dead 
Now I'm also understanding more deeply what it means to have control over the narrative, uh, especially with the media. They will just say something over and over and over and over and over again that you're not you're not even thinking about it anytime. Exactly. I know how valuable it is to continually hear this over and over again because this is how we have the opportunity to switch the narrative. Check this out. Yeah, I want to make this really, really clear to anybody listening right now. The greatest educator, most effective teacher is social practice. What I mean by that is this. The way you expose this truth to those who are suffering from colonial psychosis and westernization, the way you expose this truth is with this opposite. Everywhere you establish a successful Thomas Infrastructure Mission, Everywhere you establish a successful alternative to their institutions, one that serves the people more effectively, more efficiently, where you don't have to compromise your humanity, you ain't got to compromise your moral compass, you don't have to compromise. You create the truth because you expose the lie of competition, the lie of capitalism, the lie of white supremacy. You expose it. The way you expose it is with this opposite. That's also the way you change it. Yeah. So, what people need to understand is the reason you check this out. <laughs> there are numerous platforms where you can hear African men and women articulating the nature of our oppression, but it's very few platforms where you can hear them articulate a solution to it. Right. It's a reason why. Me and those are like mine, my brothers, are well, the only thing we talk about is solutions. Right. And we know what the problem is. I talk about that ad nauseum. <laughs> but are people tired of hearing us talk? We've been talking for 496 years. they tired of talking. Time to do something. Time to act. And the most revolutionary thing that you can do is create an alternative institution. One is based on principles and values which are diametrically opposed to those you've been orientating this right. Because they not it's not right. It's wrong. It's wrong to exploit somebody for their labor and take away the surplus value of it, stick it in your pocket, and you ain't bust a grape or lick the stamp. You ain't did nothing. It's wrong. Yeah. It's wrong to actually murder somebody because of their skin tone. Wrong. It's wrong to socially isolate the entire community of people nationally, dehumanize them on every platform that exists, and then turn around and tell them they're wrong for resisting. That's wrong. Yep, straight out. The way you expose that wrong, you do right. That's how you expose that wrong. You begin to build institutions in your community where y'all work together, where you grow unity, 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 more unity. Yes. Unity, strength, division is weakness. Ain't no people ever been got, ain't no people ever got free that was divided. They ain't never happened in human history. Right. I don't care what culture, what portion of the world you can go to, science don't, the, the, the math ain't there. Revolution is the exact science. It's as precise as calculus. But you got to do the right thing. Right. The right thing is 
ensuring that you can feed yourself, ensuring you can house yourself, ensuring you can employ yourself, ensuring you can educate yourself. Because those are the foundations equal freedom. We have a definition for freedom. It's simple. It's one word. Independence. <laughs> That's freedom. Absolutely. Self-determination. Self-sufficiency. Those are the foundations of independence. The capacity for self-defense. That's independence. Absolutely. That's what it means to be free. And then summing up the intention for these continued conversations and the deep necessity for this indictment of the state and the prison industrial complex, uh, this is how we finished up our conversation. Yeah. One of the things that me and, and my brother is constantly telling our own comrades, what you do, what you don't do, in people's interest is going to determine the relative support, success, social change. If what you're doing is actively and effectively helping people, you will support it every time. Because it's an answer. If it's not, it's just words on paper. It's hot air. There's nothing. Go back to the drawing board. Change it. Get something. Restructure your language. And this is something that we all can take from something like the indictment. That's perhaps single largest institution in this society, law and order. You can tell the relative nature of society by its laws. You live in a country that churn out like 20,000 new ones every year. Why do they need to do that? Exactly. You never ask yourself that question? Why is your social life so heavily legislated? Right. Controlled. But they tell you you're free. Yeah. Well, I know. And one of my brothers, matter of fact, is my comrade Abdul. I got to pull my coattail on me. What I see may not be what everybody else see. To be so clear to me, but they don't see nothing. That's that's. They just see fall. Yeah. I'm looking right at it like I'm looking through a pane of glass. And and and. Is the job, the duty, responsibility, revolutionary? Clear that far away, so you can see what I see. Right. I ain't gonna never tell you nothing wrong. We, we, unlike the the, the, the right wing conservative or or the quote unquote democratic liberal, we don't got a lot of people. We got one stock in the trade, and I'm talking about New York Nets. We only got one stock in the trade. It's the truth. We ain't got to shoot cold nothing. We ain't got to twist no facts. I ain't got to pull your leg. I ain't got to jeff you, jack you, or con you. All I got to do is give you the truth. That's the only thing we work for. It's real simple. All you got to do is pick up a book, Google it, pick up your phone. You got a computer in your hand. We live in the information age. Look it up. Exactly. I don't tell you a lot. Look it up. Yeah. Research it for yourself. Don't listen to what nobody tell you. Go research it for yourself. And only research that superficial crap. Deep down, deep in. Breaking down to this finest combat. Reduce it to its base components. You'll find the truth, I guarantee it every time. Out for me personally, also learning how to distrust these people. You know, exactly. and pull back 
and question now every time. And that's, I'll tell you, Ishima, um, you know, I, I am almost resentful that I don't get to be trusting. I feel like I have a right to be trusting and that, that that's been violated is so, uh, oh my God, it's so, uh, and then to see what they're doing, what they've done with my trust over all these years, uh, that just infuriates me. But of course, it just makes you want to learn more. Even when I say this, your reaction to your level of consciousness of oppression is your reaction. Every single human revolutionary had at the beginning of their orientation. <laughs> Everyone, they was offended. Man, these motherfuckers, they feel disrespected. Right. <laughs> right. All these motherfuckers, I've been running around like I'm a numb nut. They clown. What? They who? We like to know. Wait for that? Yeah, everybody went through that one. I went through that one. Okay, well, that's so that's, great that's to know. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's Revolutionary 101 right there. Yeah, great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm just going to bring it back around, you know, kind of how, how we started because this is also Black August 365, right? Yes, because this is, again, it just goes back to that constant internal work to get to where you are. I'm far from perfect. None of us is. I'm far from perfect. That's what we mean by spirals, never ending. Social conditions are constantly changing. They're constantly evolving. I'm saying fascism is advancing every day. We got to advance. It's obviously has to advance. And one of the reasons that we're in the state that we're in right now is you had a degree of success in counter revolution. But that's just a lull in the struggle. Right. Ain't no far from over. Cause look, it's, it, this this one we might some protracted struggle. All right, sister. All right, brother. I just love you and Peace appreciate and you so much. Yes. Peace and power. Okay. All right, beautiful people. That is our show. I'm sure you could hear that we. I had to cut out quite a, a chunk out of our conversation that I hope to um, add to our our next time we get together. Have a beautiful week. Uh, get ready for work week with Steve Seltzer, and we're going to go out of here with Down Presser Man by Peter Tosh.
Also, don't forget to make your donation to this beautiful, independent, black radio station here in San Francisco for KPOO. Uh, by going to kpoo.com. You can do it right there online, or you can send a check in and make it payable to KPOO at P.O. Box 156650, San Francisco, California, 94115. Show your appreciation to this amazing radio station. I'm always in deep gratitude for this hour of Prison Focus Radio. Also, don't forget to visit prisons.org, California Prison a focus site, as well as the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper at and, uh, prisons.org and sanfranciscobayview.com. Peace.